there are certain songs in our hymnal that really only work uh, in the particular category of song that they fall into. Uh, for example, we have songs that really only work as invitation songs. They just You can't fit them anywhere else in the service because the wording of the song and the language of the song, it just doesn't fit in some other part of the worship service. It's only designed for that two or three minutes when the invitation of the Lord is offered. Additionally, there are certain songs that really only fit and really only work at certain times of the day. You have to actually pay attention to what hour is on the clock because the words of the song might not really match up with what exactly you're singing about. Well, both of those qualities this evening are evident in the song I'd like for us to look at and think about, and we're going to sing in just a moment, song number 312. It's the song, Are You Coming to Jesus Tonight? Jessie Brown Pounds wrote this song back in 1889, and she wrote it specifically to serve as a song of invitation. And as you can tell, just from the title alone, it needs to be sung toward the evening hours. There'd be a little bit of a disconnect if one of our song leaders got up and led this song on a Sunday morning. We're trying to urge people to obey the gospel right now, and the song is saying, well, won't you do it tonight? So we got to pay attention to those sorts of things. Pounds actually wrote this song so that it could be used during the nightly invitations that were commonplace during the tent revivals that would happen for a week or two weeks at a time, a hundred years ago, a hundred and fifty years ago. And she wanted to write a song, a good invitation song that could be sung every night, something that was easy to remember, something that was easy to sing along with and follow along with, the kind of song you really wouldn't even need to have sheet music for. And that really is a pretty good description of what kind of song this is. Now, I'm going to confess to you that really for the longest time, I was not a very big fan of this song. And it was not because of a scriptural objection or anything doctrinal or anything along those lines. In fact, really for the longest time, I never could put my finger exactly on what was it about this song that just kind of irritated me and I just didn't like it a whole lot. Well, that is until a couple of weeks ago when I got paying. I, thought, I don't remember who was the last person to lead this song, but I got paying attention to it and I looked at it even closer the next day. And I think I finally figured out what it is that's been bugging me about this song all these years. Now, for you music nerds in the audience, you're probably going to get really worked up and excited when I share this with you. But I'm going to say to you that this song, musically, it really pushes the limits of simplicity. There is a recurring melodic scheme that is evident right here at the very beginning of the song. Sol, sol, mi, re, do, mi. That's the first six notes there in that song. And that's a simple enough little melody. We see that right there in those, in those first few notes. But in the very next phrase in the song, it's those exact same six notes. And then the next phrase in the song, it's those exact same six notes. Then you get to the chorus. It's the exact same six notes. And then again, and then again. You start adding all of that up, and what that is, is that little six-note scheme, it comprises 75% of the song. And so by the time you've sung that song through, if you sing all three verses and all three choruses, that means you've sung that same series of six notes, you've sang that 18 times. 
And in fact, the original version of this song, and I remember growing up at Providence, we had the original version that had all five verses. Which means if you sang all five verses through, that means you sang that little six-note scheme 30 times. And after 30 times singing that little tune, it gets a little bit tiresome. Now, I will tell you that familiar kinds of note schemes like that, it works really good when we're singing children's songs. You might notice, especially during VBS, when we sing some of those songs, they're very simple, and we need that when we're singing these songs with the kids. They need simple tunes. They're not into all the, 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 the big parts and things that we've been singing in some of these more complex songs this evening. And so repeating maybe that same little tune and that same series of notes over and over again, it helps little kids. Let's them jump right in and they're able to sing along without much trouble. For me, though, when I'm singing this song, and this is purely just how I feel, in my opinion, this song does kind of run the risk of becoming very monotonous because it's that same series, so, so, me, re, do, me, over and over and over again. And I'm going to admit to you and confess to you that it can become monotonous. And as a result, I know that I have been guilty. When we've sung this song, I've been guilty of just kind of going through the motions of singing it. Just over and over and over again. And you know what? That's not the hymn's fault. That's not the hymn writer's fault. That's not even the guy who put the music together, this J.E. Halls. That's on me. I am the worshiper. I am responsible for my worship to God. And so what I did in an effort, I realized I don't want to feel that way about this song anymore. I don't want to have these kinds of just, well, that song again. I don't want to feel that way. And so what I did is I sat down and I just kind of divorced the musical component from the song as best I could. And I just read the words, just read them on the page as they were written. And you know what I came to realize? This is a good song. The words of this song are very good. The music might be lackluster for my taste or for your taste, but that's not what really matters whenever we're singing praise to God. What's most important is what is the song saying? Brother Lester Hopkins, who is a member over at Crab Orchard, I remember he always says this. He says, I like an invitation song that asks a question. And I said, well, Lester, why do you like invitation songs that ask a question? He says, because it forces you to give an answer. And I like that very much. I like that approach, especially for an invitation song. A song that asks a piercing question. And this song does ask a very direct and very blunt question. Are you coming to Jesus tonight? In fact, this song really just kind of begins and proceeds with the assumption that you already believe. You may notice when we sing this song, there's no plea in this song for for you to please develop faith. There's no plea or details in here for evidences of why you ought to believe. No. This song just cuts straight to the chase and it says, hey, we know you've heard the gospel and we know that you believe it. Are you going to do something about it? And are you going to do something about it tonight? And you know what? Sometimes that's just what we need. Some folks, that's just exactly what they need to get them over the hump. They just need that urging, that admonishing. And this song does that quite well. And what I've come to appreciate about this song is that it highlights just the the host, 
the multitude of interested parties who are urging you and admonishing you to come on, come on, come to the Lord and do it tonight. For example, look in verse number 1. Because the first verse of this song says that Jesus, the Savior, He's urging you to come. The voice of the Savior says come. The cross where He died, it's in sight. Even now at the cross, there's room. Are you coming to Jesus tonight? We see in that verse, and we see that word come right there in quotations. And immediately we think of Matthew 11, the 11th chapter, when Jesus extends that great invitation, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I offer you rest. That is the Lord's invitation. Jesus has laid down His life. He has given up everything in order for you to have the opportunity to be saved and to live with Him. And so He's urging you to come. And then the second verse says that God the Father, He also is imploring you to come. Verse 2, the voice of the Father implores. It implores from mercy's most wonderful height. His love and that call, He outpours. Are you coming to Jesus tonight? Read that verse, and especially the use of the term Father. I immediately think about that Father in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. Now that father, I just imagine day after day, he sat there from his front porch or looking out the window, always looking down the road, hoping that today would be the day that his son would come home. And that's a picture of our heavenly father. He's looking, he's waiting, he's inviting, he's hoping you're going to come. When are you going to come to the father? And then the third verse in our songbook, I think actually speaks to the fact that your own conscience is telling you to come. Verse 3, Oh, who to himself will be true of all whom these voices invite? Who answers, my brother? Do you? Are you coming to Jesus tonight? First expression there, who to himself will be true? When you come to understand the facts of the gospel, when you come to understand who Jesus Christ is, what he did, when you come to have some convictions and some belief about that, there comes a point where your conscience starts to holler at you and to say, Hey, You need to do something. Hey, we can't just keep sitting here Sunday after Wednesday after Sunday after Wednesday doing nothing. we got to move. we got to take action. So when are you going to be true to yourself and come to the Lord? Now, the original version of this song, as I said, included two more verses. And in those other two verses, it talks about some other voices. First of all, there is the voice of loved ones, friends, family members. And I think if there's people in this audience tonight who are not Christians, you need to know. You've got friends and family members who desire for you to come even tonight. And then there's a verse as well that talks about the voice of the saved who have gone on before. And that calls to mind what's talked about in Hebrews chapter 11 and in chapter 12. About that great cloud of witnesses. All those saved individuals from generations past. They're rooting us on. They're cheering you on. They want you to come and to be where they are. Are you going to listen to them? All of these voices are inviting you. And then the chorus. The chorus actually includes two more categories of people who are cheering and rooting and inviting you to come. The chorus says that the Spirit is inviting you to come. Are you coming to Jesus tonight? The Spirit invites And indeed He does. I preached last Sunday on the Holy Spirit. And while there's lots about the Spirit we may not be certain about, we can be certain for sure that the Spirit is working 
through the Word. Primarily, that is His primary tool with which He works. And through His Word, there are just an abundance of passages that are telling you and convicting you of what you ought to do. What are you doing? The Spirit's hollering at you. Take action tonight. And then lastly, I want to call your attention to as well, that chorus also says that the bride is inviting you to come. Who is the bride? The bride is the church. Now let me say to all those who are already Christians and you're members of this congregation, i got to tell you, when I sat down and I started reading and thinking about this song more closely, and it just finally hit me, this song says the bride is inviting. Let's talk about me. And what that means is, is that means that when I'm in my pew or I'm standing up here and I'm singing that invitation song, I better mean that. I'm speaking as a member of the church as the bride. And so if during that song, if I'm just kind of you know, looking around disinterested, or I'm already gathering my stuff up because I just can't wait for the, you know, the invitation song to be over and the closing prayer and I can get out of here and go somewhere, then I'm not doing a good job of inviting the way the Bible talks about. And of course, that idea of the bride and the Spirit inviting, that's taken right out of Revelation chapter 22. So you put all that together. There's all these voices, all these influences that are inviting you to come. How many more people is it going to take to encourage you and urge you to do the right thing? There really maybe is only one person or one group of people who's, who's not inviting you to come. And that would be the devil and all of his followers, the people of the world. They don't want you to come. And so they're booing at you and they're encouraging you to come over in their direction. You think about it. Everybody else, everybody else in the heavenly host and everybody else on this earth, They are inviting you to come. And so what's it going to say? God has done all that could possibly be done short of overriding your free will. Jesus has done all that He could in laying down His life in order to redeem you. The Spirit has called you in unmistakably clear terms, calling you through the Word to obey. And the church, God's family, we are encouraging you to join us in our march and in our journey toward heaven. The fact of the matter is, though, as much as we holler and invite and say come and we urge, at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to have to make that decision. And you're the one that's going to have to answer that question, are you coming to Jesus tonight? And so, we're going to stand in just a moment. And we're going to sing this song. And I hope maybe in some ways we're going to sing it with a greater fervor and a spirit than ever before. I know that I sure intend to. I'm anxious to sing this song now because of my voice is part of this song in inviting you to come to Jesus. If we can help you tonight to render your obedience to the gospel, to be baptized in water for the remission of your sins, all all things are ready for that to happen this very hour. You can become a Christian tonight. Brother or sister, if you're not living right, you need to understand that the Lord is calling you to come as well calling you to come back to Him, just like that father in the story of the prodigal son. Come back to Him in humility and in repentance. Let us pray with you and encourage you so that you can serve the Lord in a better way. Whatever your need might be this evening, come to Jesus tonight while we stand and while we sing.